Good morning, church. My name is Peter, and uh, today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. My name is Francis, and I am one of the pastors here, and it is my joy to get to share with you this morning. If there was a hall of fame for the Psalms, Psalm 23 would probably be in there. It is one that many of us have grown up reciting, perhaps have memorized. A search on Amazon brings up artwork, tote bags, keychains, mugs, and more with the words of the Psalm printed on them. It's the first Psalm I taught my kids in our homeschooling um, when we were doing scripture memorization. It's the one I paced the halls of the hospital when I was laboring with our fourth child. And I've even prayed it on a plane during takeoff and landing. However, sometimes our familiarity with something, with the psalm in particular, can be our downfall. It can make it become so commonplace to us. It's a poem or lines we just recite. We're going through the motions. So this morning, I would like to invite us to take a step back and really sit with this text as we sift through it this morning. Let us pray. God, would you open our eyes, hearts, and minds to your word this morning. Help us to see it in a fresh way. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord. Amen. Psalm 23 begins with a declaration. The Lord is my shepherd. These five words alone hold so much that we could unpack. They do not just say that the Lord might be my shepherd when we feel like it some of the time. Jesus isn't our part-time shepherd on the weekend. These words declare that the Lord is my shepherd. There is a call and response in church circles that you might be familiar with. It says, God is good all the time and all the time. Amen. We could say the same here. God is our shepherd all the time and all the time God is our shepherd. Psalm 23 is a psalm of David. When we first meet David in 1 Samuel, we meet him as a shepherd. In ancient Israel and in other ancient societies, a shepherd's work was considered the lowest of the low. If a family needed a shepherd, it was always the youngest son, like David, who was stuck with this dirty, smelly, sometimes hot or cold, even rainy work. So David knows this metaphor in a unique way. He understands it and all the nuances that this role and of this role that we might miss with our 2023 city people glasses on. There is an intimacy and a personalness that is being highlighted here that is different to some of the other names that David uses to describe God. There are some more distant titles he uses like king and deliverer 
or descriptions like rock and shield, which, yes, God is as well, but God is our heavenly Lord and also our earthly shepherd. What our attention is being drawn to here in Psalm 23 is the closeness and the care that God has with his people. If you are a shepherd, you live with your flock and you are everything to it. Guide, provider, physician, protector. Sheep need a guide because without guidance, they easily wander and become lost. Sheep need a protector because it is dangerous for them to stray from their shepherd's care and because unlike animals with sharp claws or speedy legs, sheep don't have these things. They are vulnerable and defenseless. They also need a provider. They cannot often find clean water or nourishing grass on their own. They struggle to care for themselves. A sad fact about sheep is that if they stumble and fall over, they cannot get back up on their own. They will die on the ground with their short legs up in the air. They need a person, the person who cares for them, to come and roll them back onto their feet and set them up right. During the daily routine of caring for a flock, a good shepherd would need to be aware of the flock's needs as a whole, as well as each sheep individually. And God is this shepherd for us. Guide, provider, physician, protector. If we let our own agendas, worries, and unbelief lead us astray from dependence on Jesus, we can quickly lose sight of which way to turn. When faced with our own suffering and confusion, we can also find ourselves wrestling, struggling to get back up on our feet. In chapter 40 of Isaiah, he describes the coming Messiah like this. He tends the flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. The God of the universe has come down into the dirt, into our muck, to take care of us. Jesus is our guide, provider, physician, and protector who knows our needs and sacrifices for it. In John 10, Jesus describes or declares twice that he is the good shepherd, that he knows his sheep and his sheep know him, and that the good shepherd lays down his life for the flock. Verse 1 of Psalm 23 continues by saying, I shall not want. I think we can sometimes get a little stuck on this word, want. I shall not want is a tricky thing to claim. The desires of our heart can be good and pure, right? Psalm, 20, 30, or Psalm 37 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Some translations translate this phrase as I shall not lack. I lack nothing, which is probably a more accurate understanding of that word as the focus is not so much on the idea of what we might desire or want, but rather that with the Lord as our shepherd, we do not lack what we need. That as our caring shepherd, who spends his days with us, knowing our needs, what we have lacked in the day before, where we have been, where we need to go, that our shepherd knows and can supply our needs. The verb used here for not want or lack nothing also shows up in Exodus, when God's people wandered in the wilderness and the people had no lack. It says, the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. It also occurs in Deuteronomy when Moses says, these 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. 
The verses that follow in Psalm 23 illustrate the ways in which our good shepherd supplies all our need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. These words bring to mind peaceful images of lush grass, quiet meadows, calm streams, and paint a picture of a shepherd's role as a provider. It is likely that though the Bible describes Canaan as a good land, a land of blessing for God's people, that it was actually not overly lush, and those areas that received the most rainfall or were the most fruitful would have been set aside for farming. This meant that shepherds had to roam the fields and valleys to provide for their flocks. A shepherd would need to be a good guide, prepared to take their flocks on long journeys from one source of grazing and water to another. The author, Philip Keller, spent many years in agricultural research, land management, conservation, wildlife photography, journalism, and also as a shepherd. And in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, he shares insight into what it's like to be a shepherd and what sheep are like. He writes, The strange thing about sheep is that because of their very makeup, it is almost impossible for them to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. Owing to their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free of all fear. Because of the social behavior within the flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. If tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. Only when free of these pests can they relax. And lastly, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. They must be free from hunger. It is significant that to be at rest, there must be a definite sense of freedom from fear, tension, aggravations, and hunger. The unique aspect of the picture is that it is only the sheep man himself who can provide release from these anxieties. It all depends on the diligence of the owner, whether or not his flock is free of disturbing influences. When we examine each of these four factors that affect sheep so severely, we will understand why the part the owner plays in their management is so tremendously important. It is actually he who makes it possible for them to lie down, to rest, to relax, to be content and quiet and flourishing. A flock that is restless, discontented, always agitated and disturbed, never does well. And the same is true of people. How true this is for us too. How many of us struggle to lie down, to rest in the green pastures God has brought us to, how often do we feel restlessness? Like sheep, we need a shepherd to make us lie down in green pastures and rest, to lead us beside these quiet waters and renew us. It is only because the shepherd is so good that we can be still and rest, that we can find true peace, and that when our eyes are on the master, they are not on those around us. And this is the place of peace. Psalm 4.8 says, It is in peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. It is here that we will find ourselves restored. The language of restoration may also bring to mind the story Jesus tells in Luke 15 when he tells the parable of the lost sheep. The message says it like this. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you've got it home, call in your friends and neighbors saying, Celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. 
there is more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. It is the job of the shepherd to bring back the sheep who have wandered. In the story, we see this shepherd actively going after the sheep that have strayed, bringing it back to the flock. And we can be comforted with certainty that our good shepherd will not allow us to stray too far. He will search us out and bring us back. And he doesn't just bring back the sheep who have strayed, but he gives them new life. He heals and binds up the wounds of the sheep that are weak, sick, injured. He attends to their need and anxieties so that they are able to flourish. And in this, he leads us in paths of righteousness. Righteousness can be a big churchy word, but we can think of it as the right way, the way of Jesus. I hope it is a comfort to you that God doesn't just point us down the path we should go and say, there you go. But he travels with us, leading us, providing protection and comfort along the way. This does not mean that we don't face circumstances that will try to knock us off the right path. As one hymn so aptly says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. But God is tender toward the lost sheep. And Psalm 23 gives us a great sense of hope for all wandering sheep. Earlier on in the series on Psalms, Pastor Natasha preached on Psalm 51 and how David poured out his heart to the Lord in confession for his grievous sin. David knows what it costs to stray. And he knows that the Lord guides us and calls us onto paths of righteousness for his namesake. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. This world is not without trouble. We are not without challenges. Many of us face difficulties and may find ourselves saying, why me or why them? There does not always appear to be sense in why we or the people we know have to go through the hard things they are going through. I'm not sure that we can live this side of heaven and not experience heartbreak. But there is something definitive about the way the psalmist writes, even though I walk. He doesn't say if bad things should happen or when it happens. Or sorry, he says when it happens. When I am in the darkest valley. When my body fails me. When I experience unimaginable loss and pain. When I lose my job. When my loved one is sick when my parent is absent, when my friend isn't there for me, whatever the it is, I will fear no evil because God is with me. We do not walk this path alone. And I don't think this is meant to minimize our pain or to brush it off, but the reality is that this world we live in is broken and we will experience hardship of one kind or another. Jesus says you will have suffering in this world. Not you might or you may or you could, It's you will, as sure as death and taxes and God's love for us. We will face suffering. Jesus said it would be so. And if Jesus, who is perfect and without sin, could also experience the absolute darkest valley and shadow of death through betrayal and schemes in the Garden of Gethsemane and upon the cross when the weight of all sin was upon him, if even Jesus can experience this, then surely I am not going to get out of this world unscathed. But the confidence of the psalm is that even though we may face hard things, God is with us. We are not alone. We are not abandoned to our pain or our hurts. We have Jesus. We have a good shepherd who tends our wounds. We also have one who knows our pain and suffering intimately and enters into this pain and suffering 
with us. It is a different experience when you share the pain you are going through with someone who has walked a similar path to you, isn't it? Whether it's a diagnosis or a life experience or a loss, there is a kind of camaraderie and an understanding in sitting with someone who knows very intimately what it must have been like for you. Jesus is this kind of friend, knowing pain and suffering, walking alongside us in our grief and our hardship. And though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it isn't our destination or our dwelling place. The psalm shifts here from looking at God as our shepherd to God as our host. Imagine a banquet, and it says, You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. These verses are also so much in contrast to the image of the valley of the shadow of death. The imagery is replaced by a banquet scene. The reader is become among the honored guests of the king. As David paints a picture of not just provision, but of abundance and goodness given by God as host at a table that we are all invited to. There is abundance in this table with a cup that is overflowing. This is not a scarcity mindset. God welcomes you to the table and provides for more than just your need. A prepared table with a feast before you, anointing with precious oil, a cup that is overflowing. These are images of abundance and flourishing. These are gifts from God for you and me. What the psalm is speaking of here might be the equivalent to what Paul's declaration in Romans 8 is, that if God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Even if enemies rage just outside, none of that matters. We are in the house of the Lord, the maker, the one who knows us and loves us better than anyone else. Amanda Williams of She Reads Truth, a worldwide community of women who read God's word together every day, says, We are not promised freedom from trouble, but we are promised comfort and care. A shepherd with a watchful, compassionate eye. We are not promised victory over all our foes, but we are promised a place at the table, a place of belonging, the favor of the king. We are not promised an easy path, but we are promised rest and refreshment, goodness and mercy and love for each leg of the journey. As Christians, we enjoy an intimate relationship with the Lord. We can delight in the comfort of our good shepherd's guidance, provision, protection, care, and abundance. God has invited us to be honored guests at his eternal home with a permanent place at his banquet table. Embracing all of this leads us to say, along with David as he closes out his psalm, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I want to invite you into a moment of prayer during our reflection time now, where you can talk to your good shepherd. Maybe you ask Jesus to help you lie down and find rest in him, or use this time to name the ways he has been your good shepherd, or what your needs are, where you feel lack. You could also use this time to pray over the words of Psalm 23. God is with you.